Uh, well, I have a word from the Lord this morning uh, for you, and uh, you've probably seen some stuff going around. Don't be alarmed, uh, but we'll all have a chance to participate uh, this morning. Now, um, I think that um, we've heard it a number of times from a number of prophetic voices and a number of people that have declared that this is a uh, a Hebrew 20, 12, 27 kind of moment. We're in a season where everything that can be shaken is being shaken so that what cannot be shaken will stand, right? We've, we've heard that. We've seen that prophetically. We've actually seen it in the world in which we live. Now, um, someone mentioned to me once that when you take a plant and you prune it, and I've done it, I've you know, back in the day, I worked in, uh, in landscaping, and, uh, uh, and, and what happened um, is, you know, my boss would come and say, hey, you know what, we have this job, and, and uh, we have to go and just clean the, the plants after the winter, you know, just set everything up and make sure that everything looks good. Okay, so you go there, and you see these plants that have overgrown, and you start trimming, and you have to trim and prune, Right? You have to cut the dead branches. And aside from being in a season where everything that can be shaken is being shaken, and we are being shaken to the core of our own existence in so many ways, that God is doing a pruning. He is going to branches that are not going to produce a fruit in the end. They are not going to produce life. They have no life inside of them. There's no beautiful flower or plant, nothing. There's no life. And so there's chopping and cutting and trimming. And you know what? When you do that, you look at that plant after you've done the work that you've done, and it looks naked, bare. It looks ugly. But boy, aren't you happy when springtime comes and the weather starts warming up and all of a sudden, all these dead branches begin to give birth to little bulbs. And then in summertime, when you've got, we've gotten the, the spring rain, all of a sudden, these beautiful plants with gorgeous flowers and green leaves, there's something beautiful about it. But it takes time and it takes effort. And sometimes we need to stand back and say, you know what? There is life in that. Don't jump too quickly. When God comes and trims and, and, and takes things out of your life, don't be alarmed because it is for our good, for your good and my good. <clears throat> you see, we have seen and experienced some extreme shaking in this world. It's very interesting in the life of this church that today is the 365th day from the last time that we had church here. When we closed on March 8th, right, because of the pandemic, today is 365 days to the day. It's a momentous thing, and it's an important time, and you'll see why in a minute. <clears throat> 
We have gone through a pandemic. We have gone through, you know, the church being closed. We've gone through fear and anxiety. Some have experienced job loss or change of job. We've seen cultural clashes. We've seen outright hatred in our society, depression, loneliness, hopelessness. Some people have felt like, wow, what do I do from here? I, I feel no hope. I have no hope. Leadership changes. Boredom, come on somebody, I know you agree with me, it's boring to stay at home and nowhere to go, no restaurant to go to. And how about those poor moms with young children that are school age and having to constantly entertain them. I know. Take a deep breath. It's coming to an end, hopefully, for you too. There's a lot that has been happening. And everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And we all face difficulties. Here, here's the thing. There are situations that we are going to face where people are going to hurt us. They will say things and do things that will impact our lives. We've experienced it over and over and over again. And this can cause stress. It can cause disappointment. It can cause disillusionment. <clears throat> we live in a fallen world church. And the point is that the enemy is still interested in coming after us. He is going to come to ravage our lives. The Bible declares that his plans are what? To steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give them, us, that is, life that is abundant. Abundant. God's desire is to set us free, not only from the recent events that we may have gone through and experienced with COVID and all the other stuff that we've gone through. Also as a church, the things that we have experienced. But God wants to set us free from past and old wounds that we've been carrying on for years and years and years. He wants to deliver us from those things that, like uh, the writer of the Hebrews says in the beginning of chapter 12, is that they're weights that so easily entangle us. They bug us down. They weigh down on us. He wants to deliver us from those. The devil knows it. And he will use condemnation. He will use uh, us as literally, virtually a punching bag to come back constantly over and over and over again to remind us of those wounds and the scars that we bear. God's desire is to set us free completely. Traumatic situations from past experiences Open a door to the devil whose intention is to ravage our lives and to stop us moving forward, living a victorious life. That is his plan. He wants to hinder us. You see, disappointments and hurts that we may have experienced become those weights that we read in chapter 12 of Hebrews. There's only one thing that we can do. And then one thing that God calls us to. And that is to stop, turn, and go forward. And now I'm going to share some scriptures with you that will uh, exactly share that, that particular 
uh, progress, if you will. My question today to you is, are you in a place where you've come, you've become like sick and tired of the enemy's lies in your life? Are there things that you have been struggling with and you can finally stand up and say, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of hearing those lies over and over and over again. Because you know what? Unless we come to a point of conviction to say, enough. And we stand up and say, enough. He will continue. And he will continue. And he will continue. Our text today is found in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verses 6 and 7. And then uh, over to chapter 2 verse 3. They're uh, tightly connected. And this is a command for God's people to abandon the way they were doing things. And so in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 6 says this. The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, you have stayed here long enough at this mountain. Now we look at the person next to you and tell them, you've stayed there long enough. Come on. And then it says, turn and take your journey. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill county country. <clears throat> you know, I, I think that any time that we see the words turn and take your journey and go up to the hill, you know, you're going up to a hill, right? I think that's very important for us to understand that God is calling us higher. He's calling us higher here, right? You turn, he's calling us higher. And then look at uh, Deuteronomy 2 and verse 3 that says, You have been traveling around this mountain, long, this mountain country, long enough. Long enough. You've been around this situation long enough. You've been dealing with the same old thing long enough. It's now time to turn northward. And there's something very important about that northward that we'll talk about in a minute. When God allows circumstances or challenges in our lives, those challenges are meant to expose a need in us. And he invites us through that need to partner with him for a breakthrough in our lives. That's what he wants us to do. He wants to partner, part, us to partner with him in order to experience a breakthrough in our lives. You see, challenges, trials, difficulties are never meant to be nursed, to be carried indefinitely. To, you know, oh, it's okay. I got that wound. Oh, it's all right. You know, I'm going to be okay, you know, in 20 years from today when I decide to do something about it. No. We can't nurse the attacks of the enemy as if they're a part of us. We have got to experience freedom and let go. You see, our goal must be to respond to God's invitation and go through a process to experience the breakthrough that our lives are so desperately in need of. We need breakthrough in our lives, sir. We do. You do. You got stuff that you have been dealing with, with for years and years and years. And you like shove them under the rug. And you think that everything is going to be okay. If you just don't think about it. If you just don't talk about it. It's going to be alright. It's never alright. It never is. Because all you need is a trigger. Jim you got that book? That triggering book with you? Look at that. I love that. Triggers. 
Marriage triggers. There are triggers. And not just in marriage. There are triggers everywhere. And the enemy knows how to trigger us in order to bring those old situations, those old things that we never dealt with to surface. You see, when we are healthy, every one of us, everyone around us will benefit from us being healthy. So let me quickly give you four things that I think are important. Number one, it's okay to grieve. It's okay to grieve. But don't stop living. Don't stop living. This has been traditionally, I, I can speak from experience, something that's been very hard for me. Because I tend to, you know, maybe us men are a little bit more like that than, than the women, I would say. But we tend to like, you know, shove it under the rug. See, maybe no one will see it. And maybe I'll forget about it. And, and it just doesn't, doesn't happen that way. And I've spent some time in my life dealing with things that I had put under and tried to forget. But God wants us to take the time to deal with those situations in our lives. You see, grieving is okay. Because if it weren't so, then Jesus would not have said these words. Blessed are those who mourn. In the Greek, that word mourn can be translated also as grieve. Blessed are those who grieve, for they will be comforted. And for some of us that are more cerebral, that are more into the how will I get out of this situation, plans and schemes and ideas, and we don't give ourselves the opportunity to actually be more connected with our emotions and more connected with how we're feeling about situations, you know, we tend to do that. We tend to try to forget situations. We tend to try to push them aside and as if they never existed. But that is not the way we are going to receive the healing and the deliverance that we need from the Lord. I want to say it again, the challenges and trials are meant to expose a need in us and God invites us to break through so that we can turn and change direction and move forward now let me just say this that God never condemns us God never condemns us when we as a first response to the situation, we react in fear or with anxiety and worry, and we just don't know what to do, and we're confused. God will not condemn us, but he accepts us. In fact, in John 6 and verse 37, he says that all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. He will never cast us out. And then in... in uh, in uh, 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10, it says something that uh, is important for us to realize. Because we're talking about the fact that although we need to take time to grieve, we also cannot idolize the grieving process. Right? Look at what it says. Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. 
whereas worldly grief produces death. And I like it in the NLT, that New Living Translation that says, for the, king, the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin that results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Why am I saying that? It's because at times when we grieve, and we <laughs> grieve the grieving, and we grieve the grieving, 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 everything is grieving. We get like completely surrounded with grief all over us. And that will eventually turn into a worldly grief. Because we're worshiping the grief rather than going to God. Who will then take away our grief and result in salvation. And that word salvation, you know that. It's not just salvation of the spirit. But it's body, soul, and spirit. It's all aspects of our life. Number two, <clears throat> God wants to set us free more than we want it. Now, I realize that not every earthly father is a picture of our, or a healthy picture of God. But regardless of that, would an earthly dad not tell his child if he's gone in the right direction, that's going to lead them into a place of total destruction? Would he not stop them? Would he not at least say something? You would hope that, a, that even a, an evil earthly father would do that, right? Well, that's what God is doing with, God, with his people in Deuteronomy chapter 1 and 2 in the verses that we read. Because God understands and God does not condemn us. We talked about that. But he also knows the outcome. And when we hold on to grudges, when we hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness and, and the like, what happens under those circumstances? That is key. He wants us to be set free. But when we hang on to that stuff, the opposite takes place. Let me read you a quote from uh, Dr. Tony Evans in a series on forgiveness. He said this. It says, forgiveness is a beautiful word until you're the one that has to do it. Until you're the one that has to give it. If you have a refusal to forgive, you have blocked God's operation in your life. No matter how many prayers you pray, no matter how many Bibles you read, refusal to forgive horizontally breaks down the fellowship with God vertically. Because the vertical is tethered to the heart of God. Forgive as your heavenly father has forgiven you. You see God is able to see dangers ahead. He has perfect vision. Perfect view of the future. He's able to see far ahead. When the circumstances of life will trip us to a place that is going to completely paralyze us spiritually. And so he says, hey, you know what? Forgive. Forgive. Let go. Don't hang on to that. Don't hang on to that situation. Don't hang on to the words that were spoken against you. Your identity is not based on words that were spoken against you. Your identity is based on what the Father says about you. And today, let this day be a day of new beginnings for your new identity in God. That you will truly begin to understand and believe the word that the Father declares and speaks over your life. Versus what people may have said. 
to you. Most of us don't give anything to anybody. And yet, right? Somebody came to you and said, hey, will you give me, give me something? No, I don't know you. And yet the enemy comes and he takes our joy. He steals our peace. He steals all that is good inside of us. And we take it. And we don't rebel. And I'm telling you, God wants you to be free more than you want to be free. God wants you to be completely set free more than you even realize it for yourself. If you can just let that go. The third thing is cling to hope. Cling to hope. We've heard a word last week from, uh, or last month from Sam, and that was a powerful word on hope. If you haven't heard it, go check it on the MCC app or on the website. Uh, powerful. But you know what? We need hope because hope is more than just optimism or, or a positive attitude or mindset. Hope is confident expectation that what he has promised, he will fulfill. In Romans 5 verse 5, it says that hope does not put us to shame or lead us to disappointment. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. In other words, guys, hope will not let us down because our hope is in God. We're putting our hope in God, not in men. Lastly, the fourth point is that it's time to turn the corner and head in the opposite direction. You see, when God told the people of Israel that it was time to turn and change direction for them, there's a response that they gave. And it's in verse 8, the latter part of verse 8. And it says, and we turned. And we went in the direction of the wilderness of Moab. When God told them in uh, Deuteronomy 2 verse 3, stop, turn, and go northward. They may not have realized that north is opposite of south, right? I think, right? North, south. So if they would have gone south, they would have gone right back into the desert and would have maybe gone having to go around the mountain all over again. And God was saying, it's enough. It's enough. Stop doing that. What did God say? Turn northward. What's northward? Northward was the promised land. They did not even know it. They did not understand, but thank God they responded. Now, I don't know about you today, but you may be sitting there and wondering, I don't know, man, it's hard. You don't understand the situations I've gone through. You don't know the difficulties, the pain, the wounds that I've had to, 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 to allow God to heal in my life. You know what? I may not. You're right. I may not know, but God knows, and he understands, and he wants you to stop turn northward and go in that direction toward the promised land for your life. For your life. When God invites us into a breakthrough for our lives, He wants us to respond. We are called to take action. We know that holding on to bitterness and unforgiveness in our lives will not yield the results that we need. And that is why His invitation is for us to receive his peace, to hang on to peace, to hold on to his promises, to go to him in humility and repentance because that is what God responds to. He responds to humility. He responds to repentance. He responds to a heart that wants to receive from him. That's the exchange that takes place. 
We give God our frustrations. He gives us his peace. We humble ourselves. He exalts us. We let go of bitterness. He gives us his love in return. We get the better end of the bargain for sure, don't we? We really do. You know, the people went in the opposite direction. The same old direction for all of us is just not going to take us to where we need to be. It's not going to take us into the destiny that God has for us. We must be willing to turn away from those situations, of that sin that holds us down, that holds us captive. You know, this season is also very important because we are about to enter the Passover for the Jewish people. And the Passover is really literally going over to the other side. I truly believe that God is calling his church. And I, more specifically, I believe that God is calling Mission Community Church to pass over to the other side. To pass over to the other side. To no, lo no longer look behind, but look forward. To no longer looking at the same way that we have been going around the desert over and over again, over and over again, over the same situations. You may be experiencing going through the same situations over and over again in your life. It's time to stop. And turn northward and go toward God's promised land for your life and for my life. You see, this morning there's um, there's a couple of things that uh, that we have put up, a couple of crosses that EJ made for us. Where's EJ? Thank you, EJ. You did a great job. And uh, and you see tables with sticky notes uh, along the side and communion tables as well. What I want us to do is, if I can have the band to come back up and to start singing again, we're gonna we're gonna worship some more, and I want you to start thinking about what are those situations in your life that you have allowed the enemy. We have allowed. We allow the enemy. You hear me, church? We allow the enemy. To grab a hold of our lives. What are those things that have caused some disappointment, some anger, some bitterness to linger in your life? Start thinking about those people and start thinking about those situations. And what I want us to do is to do an exchange this morning. I titled this message The Exchange for that reason because. You know what? We have an opportunity to maybe write down, and that's what I want us to do. We're going to bring down the lights a little bit in the house. And <clears throat> as we begin to worship, and you can go to any of those tables and write what it is that you're disappointed about. Write the name of a person if you want. Write the name of the situation. Write it down. Take a minute. Your deliverance is more important than anything else. If you take a moment and just write what it is that you need deliverance from and then stick it to the, one of these crosses. So those are sticky notes. Make sure that it's adhering well. And then you know what? Take some time 
to be with the Lord. Take some time. Just come and kneel down. Go back to your chair. Find a corner somewhere in the back. Wherever you want. We have tons of space here, right? That's why we do social distancing. Big time social distancing here. And, um, and just take some time to be with the Lord. Just talk to Him. Give those situations. Give that person over to God. And receive that freedom that He wants to give you. Because you know what? You're worth it. And He died for our freedom. He gave His life so that we might have life. Can we do that? Will you do that? And then at any point in time, just come and take communion. There are stations on the far right and left and then right here in the center. And, and just take a moment to be with the Lord and speak to Him about it. He wants you free today. He wants you to experience freedom. I want to experience freedom. Jesus, why don't we stand together?